With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chapter 58 of White Jacket or The World in a Man of War. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White. White Jacket or The World in a Man of War by Herman Melville. Chapter 58. A Quarter-Deck Officer Before the Mast. As we were somewhat short-handed while we lay in Rio, we received a small draft of men from a United States sloop of war, whose three years' term of service would expire about the time of our arrival in America. Under guard of an armed lieutenant and four midshipmen, they came on board in the afternoon. They were immediately mustered in the starboard gangway that Mr. Bridewell, our first lieutenant, might take down their names and assign them their stations. They stood in a mute and solemn row. The officer advanced with his memorandum book and pencil. My casual friend Shakings, the holder, happened to be by at the time. Touching my arm, he said, White Jacket, this here reminds me of Sing Sing, when a draft of fellows and darbies came on from the state prison at Auburn for a change of scene like, you know. After taking down four or five names, Mr. Bridewell accosted the next man, a rather good-looking person, but from his haggard cheek and sunken eye, he seemed to have been in the sad habit, all his life, of sitting up rather late at night, and though all sailors do certainly keep late hours enough, standing watches at midnight, yet there is no small difference between keeping late hours at sea and keeping late hours ashore. "'What's your name?' asked the officer of this rather rakish-looking recruit. "'Mandeville, sir,' said the man, courteously touching his cap. You must remember me, sir, he added, in a low, confidential tone, strangely dashed with servility. We sailed together once in the old Macedonian, sir. I wore an epaulet then. We had the same stateroom, you know, sir. I'm your old chum. Mandeville, sir. And he again touched his cap. I remember an officer by that name, said the first lieutenant emphatically, and I know you, fellow but I know you henceforth for a common sailor. I can show no favoritism here. If you ever violate the ship's rules, you shall be flogged like any other seaman. I place you in the foretop. Go forward to your duty. It seemed this Mandeville had entered the Navy when very young, 
and had risen to be a lieutenant, as he said. But Brandy had been his bane. One night, when he had the deck of a line-of-battleship in the Mediterranean, he was seized with a fit of mania a potu, and being out of his senses for the time, went below and turned into his berth, leaving the deck without a commanding officer. For this unpardonable offense he was broken. Having no fortune, and no other profession than the sea, upon his disgrace, he entered the merchant service as a chief mate. But his love of strong drink still pursuing him, he was again cashiered at sea, and degraded before the mast by the captain. After this, in a state of intoxication, he re-entered the navy at Pensacola as a common sailor. But all these lessons, so biting bitter to learn, could not cure him of his sin. He had hardly been a week on board the Neversink, when he was found intoxicated with smuggled spirits. They lashed him to the gratings, and ignominiously scourged him under the eye of his old friend and comrade, the first lieutenant. This took place while we lay in port, which reminds me of the circumstance that when punishment is about to be inflicted in harbor, all strangers are ordered ashore, and the sentries at the side have it in strict charge to wave off all boats drawing near. End of chapter 58 Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista, 1980